Father, you are amazing. It's just kind of baffling, Father, how you can know all about us and love us the same. And we want to lift our hearts to you this morning. We want to thank you Father, we want this to pour out. In an amazing way, we want this to pour out towards each other. And so may your spirit be known more and more as we continue to worship. May your word be be powerful in our hearts this morning. And may we leave a people so hungry and so changed that new and, and, and powerful things beyond anything Bethel's seen happen in this coming season. And may we always, always point all the praise and the joy and the victory to our, our good, good Father. We love you, Father. We pray you are honored today. And now as we open the book, we pray your spirit would, would bring it to life. And woo us and draw us through your spirit into a deeper walk with you. And we will give you all the praise. Father, we love you. All of our joy is to you. Our hearts are knit with you because of Jesus. Bless your people for your sake, your glory's sake now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I want to thank the worship band. Can we give them just a hand real quick? They are awesome. Did I lose my mic? We are speaking on grace, so this is just an awesome day to, uh, for me to mess everything up. How's that? Uh, can you hear me? Ah, oh, praise the Lord, I'm back. I am back. Well, let's do this. Uh, let's go ahead and open to Galatians uh, chapter 2, and I'll catch up with you. Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to do something a little bit different uh, this morning. Man, I get to worship it. I don't know how you do it on, on Sunday, but I, things are weird down there on that front pew. I just get to worship it, and I'm unplugging things, and I'm crying, and it's awesome. It's a beautiful time. Uh, so maybe I, I need someone to join me. That pew is always empty, so come, come and sit by me and worship uh, <laughs> with me, and we'll get weird together. Um, but I, I want to walk you through, uh, probably during the next six or eight weeks, things will feel a little bit more like a, a seminar around here than a sermon per se. Um, just know that we are in a, a special season of reorganization, and I want to take my time to do some things to get Bethel moving in the right direction. So what I want to do before I even jump into uh, the sermon this morning is I want to update you. I want to try to do this every week. Um, I want to tell you where we are at. We're working extremely hard um, to put Bethel back together and launch us into a new and powerful season uh, for like the next 50 years. Does that sound cool? That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Um, So here's the update on our plan for Bethel. And again, I I pray that you would pray for us. There's an elders meeting uh, Tuesday. Uh, I, I pray that you would pray in a special way Tuesday evening for us. But we are in a rebuilding stage, 
And so we kind of ask ourselves, what's the starting point? Or at least this is what I ask myself. I jump into a 100-year ministry here and a big transition. So I ask myself, what's the starting point? So to give you a twofold basic idea of what we're going to be doing here at Bethel, especially if you're new with us, two things need to be developed here at Bethel. Uh, one is what we're going to call organizational health. And if you're in the business world, that probably resonates with you a little bit. Um, and when I say organizational health, um, this is what I mean. We want to continue developing our leadership team so we all have unity and clarity concerning the mission of the church. That's got to start at the top. And as we're unified in what we're trying to do and what that looks like, we then can bleed that out into the church and start creating systems and ways to organize ministries and clarity and delegation so things are clean here at Bethel. How many of you guys would just love that? All right. I got a woohoo over here. Excellent. Um, so we want to build systems. We want to build organization. We want to build clarity uh, for each ministry so things smooth out. Uh, And and again, it's a transitional time. So when uh, you go through things like this as a church, these things break down just a bit. So now we're going to rebuild them. Uh, But number two, this is the other thing we want to do is we want to grow spiritually healthy as well. So we don't just want to organize, which is so important. And you see it right in the book of Acts. Uh, Church is all over the place and they're fighting in the book of Acts. And tell the elders, say, look, let's create organization, let's create a system, let's create delegation, let's create clarity. And then all of a sudden it says, then the word of God increased. All right? So yeah, we're all about the spirit, we're all about growth, and we're all about God touching our hearts, but God is a God of organization. But, but with that, we want spiritual health. When we say spiritual health, it's many folds. But primarily what I'm talking about is this, how we relate to one another as we work together to fulfill the mission of the church. So we can have all the organization we want, but if we don't get along very well, forget it, right? We will fight through everything. And by the way, this is not to isolate Bethel. Every church has to work through these things, every church. This is normal. This is family. So that's our twofold mission. Um, The organizational health aspect, I am working on that with the leadership through the week. The spiritual health aspect that we need to be built, uh, that we need to rebuild, this is going to be done on Sundays. This is going to be done through preaching. Um, So we are going to start a new series. Um, We're going to start it today, and we're going to begin spiritual healing at Bethel. And if you're visiting with us, here's the cool thing about this series. This will bless your home. This will bless your business. This will bless your friendship. And if you're looking for a church and you don't even end up here, this is something you're going to have to grapple with in any church. Um, A relationship is a lot of beautiful things, but it is a collision of sinners. And so we've got to learn how to get along. So this is our series. We're We're going to be entitling this and working through this for probably six weeks or eight weeks, or until we love each other. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, here's what I want you to do. You should have a little insert in your bulletin. I want you to write a lot of notes. If you brought an iPad or a phone, I want you to write a lot of notes. We do have a scrambler, so if you go on Facebook, we will scramble your phone. Just kidding. 
But I want you to write some notes, and I want you to write this down, because some of you have probably never heard of this, gospel-centered relationships, and that may be a part of the problem. And so we want to begin to slowly and gently work this out. Now, I will say this. I want to be careful. I want to be compassionate. A lot is going to come at you in these sermons. Um, Understand that we need to be patient with each other, and you need to be patient with yourself. Because it is going to take time to develop what we are calling gospel-centered relationships. Whenever a painful environment is created within a church, within a family, or within a business, which is a natural part of life, things happen in relationships, things happen in churches, and they create painful environments. And whenever that type of environment is created... It can create bad habits. How many of you guys have ever noticed that? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch this. If I have a problem going on in my home, or if I have a problem going on in a church, the aftermath of that works something like this. I become very hesitant to trust. You ever notice that? If you have a problem with any, any dynamic uh, that involves relationships, whether a boss did something and, and kind of went off the rails or something went, out, went off in the home or something happens in a church, we begin to create these bad habits, these reactionary things that we do. And one of them is we start, uh, we start lacking trust towards each other. Now, why do we do that? Well, it's a defense mechanism, right? We don't want to trust because it risks. Now we are in a place where we can be hurt again, right? How many of you guys know that? So when you're hurt in some type of relationship, what you start doing is become, becoming very, uh, very leery about entering trust. Because if I trust and I take that step in, I know what happened last time, so I'm not going to do it. But what happens is if Bethel enters a new season, those old habits may roll with us. We can gain kind of an attitude of hopelessness. I've been there. When something happens within a relationship dynamic um, and we are hurt, we, we kind of begin to be hopeless. And even though a new pastor or a new beginning or a new boss may come in, we're a little hesitant to hope because we don't want to be let down again. Sometimes, when things happen within a relationship, a family, a job, or a church... And we never had the chance to have a voice and try to be a part of fixing it or try to be a part of the dynamic of bringing it healing. The aftermath ends up being a thing of gossip. We get into the habit of gossiping because now we feel like we have a voice finally. And so all of these reactions are very normal as a church or a home or a business or whatever you're involved with goes through a hard transition. But the problem is, if we don't begin to look at them and begin to push them aside and find healing, those things will become habitual in this church or any other relationship dynamic. We will normalize. They will become a part of us. And so, we are entering a new season for Bethel, and we don't want to do that. We want to take everything that may have happened, and honestly, who cares at this point? I mean, details are not, we don't need them right now. What we need to do is say that season is over. 
And we need to say, how do we prep our hearts so we can enter into a new season and be full of trust and full of hope and full of speaking good things and and prayerful things and powerful things? How do we get there? How do we enter into a new season of health, of spiritual health at this church? So let's ask this question. And I want you to write everything I, I put down, if you would, please, on the screen. Here's what I want to ask you. How should spirit-filled people treat each other? I mean, that, that's, that's really the, the question that we need, to, we, we need to reinsert into Bethel as we transition. How, how should spirit-filled people treat each other? Now, I was hanging out in the mission on Friday night. It's a great place to hang out on Friday nights. And uh, I was walking down um, by the BART station. I'm still trying to find my way around here. And uh, I was walking down to the BART station, and there was a huge protest going on. Well, it wasn't huge. It was like 50 people protesting. And uh, they were protesting against police brutality and and racism, and they were doing a march through the streets. How many of you guys saw that? Um, So I'm hanging out down there, and I'm praying, and I'm just wanting God to touch my heart and and get an understanding of what people are going through in the city so we can minister to them. And, And so I'm hanging out right in the middle of this thing. It's crazy. It's a crazy feeling. Uh, but, but I realized how much conflict was going on. Just a lot of anger. Some justified, some reactionary. Some, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. And so I walk up here and I see one of my brothers uh, who goes to this church sitting on the stairs. And, and so I start talking to him about 7 o'clock at night and the helicopter's going by. And, and the police are hanging out across the street. You know, they're kind of ready, like, hope nothing goes down. And, and I started thinking about them. What is it like to be a police officer in the middle of this? Like when people are protesting about you. And so I walk over there and, and I'm, I'm, I start talking to the police officers like, how are you guys doing? <laughs> like, hey, I like you. I'm cool with you. And, and protesters, I'm cool with you. And if I could get like five minutes with the mic, I would just tell you about Jesus, you know. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm okay with everyone, you know. And I, I asked them, uh, hey, can I get you a cup of, cup of coffee? And one of the officers says, do you, what, do you work at that coffee shop? They're right across the street. And uh, I go, no, I pastor that church right there. (laughs) And I'm just trying to love on you. But it was maddening, you know. It's like there's just so much anger out there and so much violence and so much hate. And everybody's so edgy. So when I say how should spirit-filled people react, we're talking about a totally different dynamic. We're talking about when you walk in here, if you're part of Bethel's community, There should be something radically different about the way we treat each other. Now, it's not easy because we're still human. But the Holy Spirit wants to do things in our lives towards each other. Let me ask you this. How how are spirit-filled people to treat each other in general? About, you know, when we just walk in the doors. But, But how are we supposed to treat each other when we have a collision? What happens when one of us collides with another? What happens if someone steps into your ministry? Now yeah, we're a little disorganized right now. It's all right. We'll, we'll get it. What happens if someone steps into your ministry, though? Oh, what, what if somebody, uh, you know, doesn't set something up correctly? Or, or what if you find out that somebody is struggling with sin? How, how should we treat each other? How do we deal with that? It's not easy. 
This is, uh, this is where the Galatian church enters in. Go ahead and go to Galatians 5. Matter of fact, we'll start there and kind of backtrack. We'll use this church as a test. We will use this church and we will learn from Paul because this church is going through a similar situation. They're fighting. Their relationships are marred. They're broken. And so Paul enters in and he says, look, I need to fix these things. I, I need you to understand how to relate to one another. So this Galatian church, to give you a little background... They're a mess. And can I just encourage you with a thought? All churches are, are a beautiful mess. I think sometimes we think, you know, everything should be right in a church. Never going to happen. So if we just get there, it will take a lot of pressure off. It's like, we're going to have problems. And I've always said it. I'm not even so concerned with problems. I'm concerned how to react to problems. Because they're not going away. They should reduce I want to learn how to respond to problems. So let's look at the Galatian church. It's a church made up of different races. Different races. It's a church that has all kinds of different things they're trying to emphasize. Some it's doctrine. Some it's prayer. Some it's kids. Some it's teens. Some it's preaching. Um, No doubt as we look at Galatians... It's a church that has diversity in theology. No doubt some were Reformed and some were Arminian. And if you don't know what that is, those are breeds of dogs. Don't worry about it. Uh, This church is even divided on how to treat leaders. The first two chapters, Paul is saying, look, you guys are treating leaders all wrong. And they're saying, well, you don't know the leaders and you don't know what we've heard. 2,000 years. Same story, different actors. Let that comfort you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Now watch this. Here's the problem. Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, which is to say in the context, you're not under the law. You're not trying to earn God's love. You are free from the law. You are free to love each other. He says, Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, In other words, what they were doing is they were fighting, but through love, serve one another. So there was a lot of selfishness going on. Uh, They wanted their way. They were fighting. Everybody knew how to run the church and all of that. Very normal. He says in 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In other words, if you think you're good enough to be loved by God, then work this one out. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Get that heart. Now watch this right here. This is crazy. Verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, what is that? I mean, in the Greek, these are animalistic words. Like the best Paul could do to explain what was going on in the church is like, stop biting each other like animals. That's a trip. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. In other words, what he's saying is, you could kill a church if you don't learn how to treat each other. My dog, who uh, passed away almost a year ago, um, he was the greatest dog ever. Trust me. He just was. If you have a dog, my dog was better. I'm just saying. I'm just saying this morning. My dog was better. He was amazing. He died of congestive heart failure at seven years old. And I am yet to recover. Yeah, it breaks my heart, that guy. Um, But I got to tell you, he was a 100-pound Weimariner. 
Like they, they're supposed to cap out at like 70 pounds. He's a 100-pound Weimaraner. Now check this out. When we speak of biting and devouring one another, this guy thought he was a human, number one. But he thought he was on a hockey team. Like every time we walked down a, a hallway, this guy would come at us and he would put me into the wall, like put me into the boards. To this day, and don't you go looking now, but to this day, if you look at my socks and you look at some of my sweaters, I've got holes in everything. Because he would just bully me. He would come up and he would bite me. And it was his playful 100-pound bite and he would throw me around a little bit. And everything I own now has holes in it. And there are times when we got out of the house just to escape this guy. But I don't want us to leave a church feeling that way. I I don't want us to bite and devour one another. So we walk out of the church like, man, I ran into so-and-so again. I got the holes to prove it. The problem is not our sin and our differences. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. The problem in churches is not our sin and it is not our differences so much as it's the way we deal with our sin and we deal with our differences. Sin is here. Now it should be reducing, amen? Please amen moment on that. It should be reducing as we grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the reason we believe in the resurrection is because we don't escape sin until that happens. So it's here. And by the way, as some of you grow into maturity, new people are going to come in these doors who are completely immature in the Christian faith. And they're going to they're sin here. They're going to have differences. San Francisco, it's like San Francisco, of course we're going to have differences. It's just cool to be weird here. You know? So I'm not, I'm not even so worried necessarily, necessarily about the sin and the differences. We'll work through that together. But I'm concerned about us knowing how to deal with our sin and our differences. Galatians 5, 16. And this is Paul's problem here as he writes the Galatian church. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, the way they're responding to each other is out of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. So when someone steps on your toes, do you know what the desire of the spirit is? To love them, to forgive them. But you have a war going on inside you. The desire of your flesh wants to assault them, wants to backbite, wants to gossip, wants to lie, wants to put them in their place in Jesus' name. We love the verse about Jesus and that whip thing. Right? I'm about to turn me some tables over. So Paul says, this is the problem, you guys. You're responding to each other in the flesh. Man, I do that every day. I do. Uh, End of verse 17. For these are opposed to each other. So think about this. When someone hurts you, you have a war going on inside of you. The Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 respond like Jesus. Your flesh is going, no, respond like the old you to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You want to love. You want to forgive. You want to be patient. But the body doesn't want to let you. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
You have a power to overcome this. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity. Now here we go. If we respond to each other these ways, we know we're doing it in the flesh. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. How many of you guys struggle with that? Please raise your hands. I struggle with that. I was jealous this week about, things, about certain things here. I just, I just was. I, was. I felt it. It was like, ah, what am I doing? Anytime we come into a relationship, these things are going to want to show up. Now watch what he does in contrast in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit... But this is how we need to treat each other, is love, joy, peace. Man, have patience with me. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Please don't turn your back on me if I hurt you. Please be gentle with me. Please control your emotions when I mess up. That's the Holy Spirit. And you can see the contrast. You know, where do you live, top or bottom, most of the time? I live on the top most of the time, and I'm the pastor. I'm working on it. But I'm also going to set the example and be transparent. This is going to be a part of us. What we want to do is work together on allowing the Spirit to help us respond and live on the bottom. It's going to take time. And I believe that all of us want to treat each other this way. And I believe that all of us want to be treated this way. So where do we start? Where do we start? We start this morning with one point. Let's all write this down. I'm always so scared that I have a spelling mistake. If I do, will you not say anything? (laughs) We just keep that to you. Our relationship with God is designed to shape our relationships with each other. That's our starting point. And if you're like, what? I will explain this. Our relationship with God, watch this, what I get here is actually designed to go here. The way he treats me here, vertically, is supposed to go out this way. Now, that's also a problem. Because if we don't understand the way he treats us here, we're not going to treat each other correctly here. And so what we want to do is understand the gospel, gospel gospel-centered relationships. We want to understand over and over again every week what God did here and what he's doing here in this relationship. So our hearts are softened and that begins to uh, naturally flow out to each other here. You know where the biggest test with this is? Your kids. So here's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that Jesus saves, he died on the cross so we could be forgiven of our sins and be put back into a relationship with God. The gospel is designed to heal two relationships. This is what I need you to understand. The cross is designed to heal our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. It's actually one fluid movement which is really hard to do. But here's the problem. If you're here and you're a Christian, every one of you goes through this. As a Christian, 
You're trying to have a relationship with God by either good works or grace, even if you're saved. What do I mean by that? We say, okay, I'm saved by grace. I'm saved by the work of Jesus on the cross. But now God is happy with me when I, when I daily perform for him. That's one type of relationship people try to have with God as Christians. Did you get that? And some of you are like, yeah, what's the problem? I'm saved by grace, but I'm kept in his good standing like he likes me if I hit his bar daily. The problem with that is God has one bar, perfection. That doesn't change after you get saved. So you're either running on this treadmill, feeling guilty if you didn't read enough scripture, feeling guilty if you didn't pray enough, feeling guilty if you blew up on someone and then th- you think this thing's damaged and you're kind of here. Or you have, you know, you string, you string together a couple of good days like you read four chapters in the morning. And you're just cruising now. And you hit his bar and you feel, man, God just loves me. Like he loves the special kids down here and I'm, I'm special right now. And, or, you, or you realize that none of that works and that's not scriptural. You realize that you are saved by grace, by the undeserved love of Jesus and by what Jesus did on the cross. And you are kept in a beautiful relationship by Jesus. That's it. And, and if you're wrestling with this, that's fine. Um, this is going to take some time to process this because we are conditioned to think that performance equals love. What do we say to our kids? If you're a good little boy, I'll give you. So naturally, we equate that with God. Like, if I'm good, he will, he will love me. If I'm good, he will bless me. It, it, it tampers with us in our, in our pride that all of us struggle with when we say, God loves you because of Jesus. You're safe in Christ. If he could love you less, he would have to love Jesus less. And he can't. That's the gospel. And that's, that's the challenge with our relationships. Whichever you're trying to have a relationship through with God, It's shaping the way you relate to others. And this was the problem in the Galatian church. So let's take the first one. Let's talk about a works relationship. If you think you're having a works relationship with God, I'm saved by grace, but uh, I'm kept in his good standing and he loves me because I'm performing well. The works relationship works something like this. We think that God is saying, fulfill my expectations daily and I will accept you daily. Fail... And I will condemn you. But look at Galatians 2 and verse 15. Uh, Look at verse 16 for the sake of time. He says here in 2.16, Yet we know that a person is not justified, you're not loved by God, by keeping the law. By performing. But through faith in Jesus Christ, so we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified, declared right, loved. It's only by faith in Christ 
It's not by the works of the law, because by works of the law, no one could ever hit God's bar. And see, the problem is the Galatians are Christian people, and they still think God is accepting them based on their works. And it's bleeding out to their relationships in their church. If you think you're relating to God this way, by works, you're going to begin to relate to people in the church this way as well. Everything starts to be about earning acceptance by performance. We walk around thinking, I, I did good this week. I'm a good Christian. I perform for God. He loves me. You're not performing for God. You're not hitting the bar. And, and actually what we do, guys, is this right here. We start creating our own bar for people. It's all about performance. I daily hit God's bar. Therefore, God loves me. And so now I have this mindset of performance all around me. Now I push my wife into this. I push my daughters into this. I push my uh, church members into this. Um, I have this bar here. And if you don't perform correctly, I condemn you. You You didn't meet my expectations. It becomes a way of life. Now don't, please don't get that quiet on me. I lived in this for five or six years. I did this to my family for five or six years because I just didn't understand grace. And I thought, you know, I'm a good Christian. I go to church twice on Sunday. I tithe. And I'm not diminishing these things, but I tell people about Jesus. I pray and I read my Bible. Therefore, God loves me. I mean, I'm good. I'm a good Christian. And so I had this mindset of like, I'm good. I perform. Jessica... Why didn't you do that? Why aren't you doing it that way? I, I start setting these bars all around me. And, and really disappointed when people aren't hitting and performing for me. And that was, that, that was the problem in the Galatian church. They thought they were loved by God because they were doing good. Therefore, they were treating each other that way. I asked you to do this. You didn't hit my bar. Condemnation. No relationship can grow in that environment. Your relationship with God cannot grow in that environment. And my relationship with my wife or a church cannot grow in that environment because people are always going to fall short of my standards. Look at Galatians 5.15. This is the outcome of it all. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. We, we start biting and chewing. Why did they put that there? Why did they do that? Why did they say that? You know what I need? I need grace. I need this music team to go, man, that was a dumb move by Pastor John this morning, but we love that guy. (laughs) It's funny how God allowed that to happen. You know, if this music team goes, look, we we hired this guy, we're paying this guy. He he, He said he knew what he was doing. What was that? We practiced this set for hours. He messed the whole thing up. There's the bar. He, he missed the bar. Condemn him. Little plug for you music people. Love me. And by the way, even in my own home, um, my family wasn't growing. They were living in 
guilt. And it's hard to let go of that because you feel like you can control a little bit if you set those bars. And so Paul comes into this Galatian church and he says, you guys need to learn about grace. You need to have gospel-centered or grace-centered relationships. You need to realize that God loves you the same no matter what happens this Sunday. Because it's all about what Jesus did on the cross, not what you're doing to earn his love. A grace relationship works something like this. I know you can never fulfill my expectations. This is what God is saying to his children. And I know that life is incredibly hard down there. But as you try, and even if you fail at times, I will love you and I will be patient with you always. We can see it in Galatians 2.20. Uh, we're always quoting this verse, but it's, I think it's out of context. Here's what, here's what Paul is doing. He's making the case I'm making. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Here's what he's saying. I no longer perform to earn love. That's what that means. It is no longer I who am doing these things to have a, a living relationship with God. But Christ who lives in me. It was Christ who did the work that I could never do. It's Christ who's performing for me right now, keeping me loved by God. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. I live by believing that God loves me through the work of Jesus, not by my works. I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me to keep me forever loved by God. And when you learn that this is how your relationship works between you and God, if you're a Christian, you're going to begin to relate to people that way. The bar has been reached by Christ. And you are in Christ. So you have no bar to hit anymore. The bar is gone. You are always accepted and loved as you are. It's not based on performance. It's based on unbelievable, amazing grace and love. And everything is designed to flow out from our experience with Jesus Christ. When I realized that I had some moments this week that were just bad. Bad. And I'm not telling you. <laughs> and somehow, the Old Testament says that God is singing a song about me. And He loves me the same. And He'll never give up on me. Man, that... That blows me away. Patience and mercy. Long-suffering. He, he, he doesn't put up with me. He loves me through it. When I fall, he just p- keeps picking me up. John, I know it's hard, Dan. I get it. Jesus says, I, I live through it. That's why I was touched. That's why I took the body, to feel it. I know it's hard. And I will never give up on you. 
When I feel that gospel relationship every day, and then one of you fails around me, come on. It's like, don't worry, don't worry about it. I get it. Things are probably crazy. Things are probably hard. It's cool. Sound systems go out because, you know, someone running it is doing 50 things in the church. And let me check my heart and say, look, that's not easy. How does Jesus treat me? Maybe material's not prepped here. or Maybe leadership's a little bit out of place right now, whatever it is. Here, God is looking down on us. Jesus is looking down on us every day and going, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will show you mercy. I understand. And when I'm so bathed in that gospel thought, I can't help that when I see you and when I experience this, I pass the same mercy to you. And that's why I say these relationships are healed when we understand how this relationship has already been healed. I got frustrated at you guys this week. And it was, it was just me being human. You know, it's a lot of work and you get those moments where you're just like, Ugh! and I had to realize that I need to be patient. It's been a long journey. I need to love. I need to be faithful to you guys, and I need to let you know that I love you. And I need to be encouraging. I need to speak words of life to you. Because Jesus does it to me daily. Galatians 6, 1. Here's a summation of it all. Here's what Paul says. Do you understand how good and patient God is to you? Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, you who understand God's gospel and his grace should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Isn't that amazing? He says in two, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ and so reflect what Jesus does for you. But be careful, verse 3, because if we begin to think that we're something, oh, God loves me because I'm just really good. I am deceiving myself. My greatest work is like a filthy rag before God's holiness. And so the more I embrace and celebrate this and realize how good God is to me, the more it naturally begins to pour out on you. That is how we heal the church, the gospel. John 1.14, describing Jesus Christ, says this, and we'll, we'll shut it down. That he was full of grace and truth. We're either one or the other most times. We are either, they need to hear this, truth. Or, oh, no, don't say anything, just love them. Jesus was awesome. He had this lion-like lamb, lamb-like lion thing about him. He said this, I want to help them grow out of the sin. I want to help them get through this, truth. But I understand it's hard. And so I'm going to lovingly be patient and full of mercy towards them. This transformed my entire home about seven years ago. 
pouring out on the people in my home what I was receiving from God's. But it took me being intentional to worship and enjoy and celebrate and focus daily on how God treats me through the scripture. So let's be fair. Yeah, God wants us to be holy as a church, but it's messy. It's messy. But relationships grow beautiful when you know that when you fell and you're just a disappointment, the one who loves you will forgive you and be there to catch you and teach you with patience and love. I want us to ask one question this week. I want us to write it down. I want, I want it to be at the center of our week. In light of our relationships, if something happens this week, I want you to ask, is this the way Christ treats me? Before you respond to that. Maybe in your home, maybe at, maybe at work, whatever it is. Is this the way Christ treats me? Even if you slip and even if you go at someone too hard, is this the way Christ treats me? And I think God will begin to do things in our hearts and bring a new love that will blow us away in this place. Bethel needs to recapture this. Bethel needs to recapture the gospel. And it will flow out to each other and revive this church. And let's start it right now. Let's have a moment of prayer. And it's okay just to be completely transparent with the Lord this morning. We all struggle with this. And this is our time to pray and to embrace how good God is to us every second until it begins to flow out towards each other. He is patient. His love endures. It has no end. He understands. He is a good, good father. Let that capture your heart. And even as we leave this place this morning, let's reflect it to each other. Let's have gospel-centered relationships. Take a moment to pray this morning. People praying all over the room. Ask him to soften your heart.
Just think how awesome it could be if you were this type of person. I mean, see yourself as this type of person. This can be you. This church will come together. We will organize. But let us saturate each other in love. Our Father, I pray I have not been too hard but we need you we gotta know how much you love us we gotta have it pour out on each other So give us courage and through your spirit give us an understanding of how amazing your love is and may we hear may we hear things things being said decisions being made new ways that we are treating each other here. May we let old things pass away. You want to make all things new. I love these people, Father. They have endured Now turn it to love. And help us now as we, we celebrate the table, which is so fitting for this, this type of thing. Teach us to be broken for each other. And help us to be patient with ourselves as we work through this. We thank you, Father, for your majestic and unending love on us. And may your spirit guide us now. In Jesus' name, amen.